to Chaotic Cinema, a show where we correlate uh, childhood trauma with um, movies that really helped us through it, okay? We think childhood trauma is something that people need to talk about more and like, you're not special, it happened to everyone. <laughs> we all have it, everybody has something that happened to them that like changed them. That's how the world works, that's just how it goes. Um, so tonight we are going to bring you the first episode of Chaotic Cinema, thanks for the memories. Um, or the nightmares. I almost put the tagline as nightmares just because. That would have been better. It would have. I mean, just with our childhood and movies, you know, we mostly watched horror anyways. Tonight, Lindsay Lewis, um, what are we going to talk about first? What is the first movie, like the most important zingy with our childhood? It's just a tender, loving movie mm. that just brings you warmth. Schindler's List? Called, yeah, um, Scream. Oh, oh, it was S. It started with an S. I knew that. Oh, you were almost cool. there. I was almost there. Um, yes, Scream, okay? Scream is a crucial movie in our childhood because when uh, my sisters were older. My mom. She took the girls to go see this movie in theaters when it came out. And she didn't take the boys, which, because um, we were the hawk boys. <laughs> we were bastards. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we <laughs> were too young. Yet I wasn't too young to watch already a Wes Craven classic, Nightmare on Elm Street, that scarred me for my whole childhood. Mm, your favorite. Yeah. So I guess what mom is saying is that she couldn't pay to traumatize me. It just has to be free. <laughs> it has to be free. We're on food stamps. You know what I mean? We're just, That's true. It's just our childhood. Everyone has their struggles. Um, so tonight we're going to... Uh, divulge into this first episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you would like to, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Um, we will be here um, as long as you guys are willing to listen. Lindsay has a very foggy memory, okay? Or she just blacked everything out, um, and that's okay. Um, she's blacked out a couple times, and I've been there at a drag show in Virginia. All right. We are going to talk about Scream. Now, Scream was a um, monumental movie, I would say, as, as far as horror and as far as the time frame that it came in. It came in in the uh, late, mid-90s, and it was a horror movie all in its own. It was the first time that, other than When a Stranger Calls, that you were getting these calls from someone you knew. First of all, the killer was always someone that was like, that people knew about. It wasn't like a character that wasn't ever in the movie until the end, you know what I mean? Um, yes. And I just love Scream because there were always um, multiple killers, except in Scream 3. There were always multiple killers. There were supposed to be two killers in Scream 3. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Don't get ahead of yourself. Yes. Don't I'm get sorry. I know. You're so excited. Now, I am, out of all of our family members, I'm probably the most, like, outgoing and most needing of attention from people. I was... Gay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. No, I was going to say I was um, eliminated on a national TV show. That's how much attention I wanted. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I uh, had found this new beautiful podcast with my sister, which was her idea. Can we talk about that? Yeah, it you, was my idea. Yeah, like the thing is, the most pro like pressing question for me is, you have good ideas? All the time. Ellipses? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like. <laughs> What other good ideas? Tell me about them. But the we're going to talk about Scream tonight. Now, we are going to break down the entire series. The wonderful thing about this movie is our first podcast is probably going to be a really long, and you're probably going to hate my shrill-ass gay voice, but listen. We all do. Oh, my God. So did 
so did uh, TV. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> also, if you hear me swear at any point during this show, please keep in mind that um, I was raised in a big Italian, Irish, German family, which if you look into any of those heritage, um, they're all alcoholics. Um, so I tend to be a little louder when I speak, just in general. I don't. I tend to just listen. No, she's fine just sitting in front of the, um, you know, the sound system in the living room, okay. singing quietly on my own, pretending you're beside me. Shut up, Nick! This is my time! Was that how okay. it went? Okay. No, I think you made that up. No. I think that was in the movies. Oh, yeah. The what movie you're of our life. I, there's no movie that could encapsulate that much trauma no i'm just kidding <laughs> um no the the thing about scream is that we're going to break it down in each movie so we are going to just go ahead and start a real ramble on forever especially me so Lindsay, um i don't know if you know this but um i looked up on wikipedia because that's how the internet works um <laughs> scream came out in uh 1996 now how old were you in 1996 14 okay you did some math beforehand i prepped her and told her (laughs) these were gonna happen um in 96 that was the year i'm pretty sure it was either 96 or 97 that the lion king came out um so that's cool um i remember that i don't remember that i was 14 i wasn't watching the lion king no Lindsay. the thing is okay we'll talk about this later but uh my dad every christmas his work would have like a movie rent. They rented out a movie theater and we would go watch a Disney movie with his work. You don't remember that? Mm, absolutely not. Perfect. Okay. This is, it's, it's going to be, a, it's going to, I have the most vivid uh, like uh, memory, even in my dreams. I wake up the next day and I'm like, why were there six red Gatorades and five yellow in the fridge in my dream? It's weird. It's weird. I think I'm like psychic or something. Psycho. Either one. Yeah, either one. We got it from our mama, as the song says. You should get it from a mama. Um, okay, so, <laughs> no. Basically, Scream came out in 96. Um, in 96, I was nine years old. Um, and at this time, I think we had just moved to Texas. I'm pretty sure we had just moved. Yeah. And so this was like one of the... It was almost maybe a year after. Because I was in fourth okay. grade. I was in fourth grade when we moved. Fourth grade was when uh, Zachary was born. Um, and so I remember mom had a video camera. That's the first time she bought a fucking video camera because she wanted to capture all of his moments. And I was like, I know technology wasn't advanced when we were kids, but where was our like memory? We don't even have a fucking scrapbook. You know what I mean? This, uh, this is how um, great of a brother he is. Our brother, Zachary, was born in 1998, folks. And the movie came out in 1996. So yeah. someone's math is not correct. No, someone's math is only one year off. It sounds like it's two years off. But uh, when we moved from Iowa, I don't know if you remember this. Mom brought me into her bedroom uh, at the end of fourth grade year with Alan on the bed and had a bag of candy and told me that I failed the fourth grade and I had to do it again. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why, Lindsay. So you weren't right either. Scream, the movie is set in uh, Woodsboro. I don't know what state that is. What state is that supposed to be in? California? I think it's California. Yeah, there's a lot of mountains, I'm assuming, um, that it's California. But uh, basically, the movie starts with uh, Drew Barrymore in a small bit role. It's a very small role, but she has literally, you remember the first scream because of that first scene, really. Yes. 
she's at her house. She gets a creepy phone call from some weird guy. She's in the middle of making Jiffy Pop. And she wasn't creepy. supposed to play that role. Who was supposed to play that role? You know that? She, I don't know, but she was supposed to be Sydney up until I think two weeks before they started shooting. And she thought it would be, it was her idea for her to take the smaller role because then people wouldn't know she would get killed because she was such a huge name back then. No, yeah. They would think she was the main character. Yeah, I love that. I love that about Drew because Drew is, um, that just shows like, to me, I always thought that she was like a sweet person in real life and very like uh, easy for, she could talk to anyone. Anyone could come up to her and ask for a picture and she probably wouldn't be like upset or anything. And that just goes to show that like, she doesn't need to be the main character. And even then she was like thinking about like the back like making of a movie and been like people are gonna think that I'm a big character so if I die first it'll be shocking and it really probably helped yeah I love it, it. Did. she was great um basically uh she gets a call when she's at home by herself okay now she lives in the middle of fucking nowhere um uh <laughs> and she has lots of corn fields around her it looks like corn or wheat um I've looked at the I've watched the movies this week I watched all of them in my favorite order you'll find that out at the end of the show what that is um I didn't watch them in like progression I watch them out of order because there's some that I really just fucking hate um but yeah this movie <laughs> She gets a phone call. This guy's creepy. He keeps calling back, okay? Um, now, it's clear to her that he is watching her because um, she he just says, like, I want to know who I'm looking at. And she catches it, and it's like, what do you fucking mean? And then it just is, like, insanity ensues from there. Her boyfriend appears on the patio, tied up to a chair. Now, the thing is, she told the killer that she doesn't have a fucking boyfriend, okay? Which shows that Drew Barrymore was trying to add layers and be like, you know what? I'm gonna die, but people are gonna think I'm a slut too. <laughs> They're gonna be like, mm, she's really dug up with anyone, you know? She wanted some action that wasn't her boyfriend. She does. And then Even he, though he creeped her out. He creeped her out and she's like, listen, I'm not moist anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, no, uh, I just think that it's interesting to show um, a teenager's point of view. And um, that was a big ass house she was living in. It was in uh, the middle of nowhere, literally. It comes to the point where he gets into the house and he asks her a final question after she, he, uh, the killer kills her boyfriend. Um, and she sees it, she turns patio light on. And that's the scene that I have a problem with too, is there's no one standing behind him when his stomach just rips open. How, was there an, a machine that opened up his stomach? Well, it was dark. He turned the light off. Remember, she no, turned the light off. Yeah, but she turned the light on, and that's when he was he was going through a lot of pain at that moment, and he was still, like, you could tell that even when the light was on, that he was, like, feeling pain in that moment. So something had to have been happening to him from behind him. You know what I mean? In order for him to be screaming like he was actually getting stabbed at that moment. You know what I mean? I guess. And you never see anyone behind it, so I'm just like, it's it's weird. It's just a nitpicky thing, you know? There's a lot of plot holes like that throughout there this is. series. It is. And it's true to Wes Craven's form because Wes Craven is notorious. Uh, just like when Nightmare on Elm Street, he was successful with the first one and that he helped uh, like produce and write the second one. But then after that, he it was the property of the studio. So the studio, any director who wanted to come in and direct the next sequel... So none of them really lined up. There were a lot of plot holes because it couldn't have been a continuation of the story, you know? Right. 
So I just think that's like just how Wes Craven works. Um, like let's in memory of Wes Craven, I love him so much. Honestly, it's crazy. Hey, you only love Freddy. Like no. what other movies has Wes Craven done besides Scream and Freddy? Okay, well, listen, if you only watched horror movies your entire childhood, like me and Brandon, I was roommates with my brother, Brandon, who's a year older than me, who is way more fucked up than me. If you think that I have a fucked up sense of humor, my brother's is worse, okay? He thought there was a market for selling stillborn baby horses as toys to children. (laughs) Yeah. And I shared a room with him (laughs) up until both of us graduated high school and we shared bunk beds. Even when we were seniors. That's a horror movie. That is a horror movie. It's called Last House on the Left. Uh, no, that is, by the way, that's another movie that Wes Craven directed was Last House on the Left, the original. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's been in horror for a while and he he's always like produced kind of like, even Nightmare on Elm Street was like a B-rated movie. It was very gory and like cheesy. Yes, and so this took, Scream took it to another level where it was like modern day. This is what kids in the 90s are really dealing with and like how they would react if a murder happened to one of their classmates. Now that's where this, it changes. After she gets murdered, she's hung up in a tree. Um, she's on, the, her mom can hear her on the phone because her mom realizes that the Jiffy Pop is burning and no one's in the house, okay? So her mom picks up the phone to call the, uh, to call 911 and Casey is still on the phone being dragged in the front yard to the tree about to be hung up and gutted like a fucking fish, okay? Now, only a man could do something like that. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if you remember that quote. But um, yeah, so it comes the next day. She goes to school and Gail Weathers, who um, is a news reporter in the area, also covered Sydney's mom's death the year before. Now, that's sketchy and we'll get into that when we talk about this. But... She gets to the school and there's a whole bunch of like news uh, vans at the school and uh, they have to all be interviewed by the principal, okay? Now the principal gives them a strict curfew, all right? The Fonz. Yes, the Fonz, okay? Who later gets hung up um, on the field goal post on the football field. (laughs) For the longest time, I thought he was the killer when I first watched it. No, yeah, I and there's a scene where like he he's uh right after he dismisses everyone from school and tells them they have a curfew, they all go home and Tatum and uh Matthew Lillard, uh his character, I forget his name. Stu. Stu and Tatum decide to conjure up the idea of having a house party when there's a killer on the loose. What could go wrong? Yeah, um it's fine. Underage drinking and uh, cops outside watching and coming in to make sure everyone's okay and them not taking drinks away from anyone. Um, it's weird. <laughs> it's like uh, it's underage so drinking. So realistic. No, it is. Like, that's, no, that's dumb. No one would ever go in and be like, oh, okay, like, you guys, are you can continue drinking. Do you care about your job, Deputy Dewey? Do you fucking care? You know? Um, and so eventually... <laughs> All of these characters end up at uh, Stu's house for the rager. Um, this It's the final scene of the movie. It lasts pretty much most of the movie. It's that scene in that house, you know? Yes. Took 21 days to, or 21 nights to film. 21 nights to film. Now, basically what happens at this point is um, this is where uh, they Randy is showing everyone movies and uh, they're having like a breakdown of horror movies in general, which seems kind of fucked up that that's the first idea that you would think of. The, oh, let's make this fun night of camaraderie and like friendship. And we just saw a, ho- a 
killing happened in our town. So you know what we should watch? A horror movie. That'll probably like make us feel better. <laughs> Just, kids like, are listen. stupid. Kids are dumb. Kids are dumb as fuck. I don't like how if let's say that me and you both got cast in this movie and we were at the party, what would our characters be doing? What do you think you in that scenario would have done? I wouldn't go to the party. <laughs> That's exactly what I know. That was your answer. Uh, Lindsay's kind of like, uh, she's, yeah, she's more scared than me. I would have gone because my parents told me that I couldn't go. And I would have been like, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. And I would have crawled out the window and just went to the party. Um, but then as soon as like people, I saw someone, I, I go outside to smoke probably a lot. And I'm get not smoking killed. No, that's what I'm thinking. Is I think I wouldn't have gotten killed. I think that I would have walked outside at a convenient time right after like Tatum died in the, the garage door, doggy door. And I would have walked out to smoke a cigarette, lit it up, and then looked over and been like, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> dead. Someone's dead. I know you're going inside to tell anyone that this happened. Um, okay, so basically what happens is a lot of the main cast members die in this movie or a lot of them have close to death experiences. You think they're going to die. That's the cool thing about this movie is you get invested in these characters, even Tatum. We're going to talk about our favorite characters in the movie before we wrap this, uh, the first movie up. Who is your favorite character? I'll tell you mine first, Lindsay. This give you time to think. Okay. Okay. My favorite character, I'm going to say this right now. Who could I most relate to? I'm going to say Tatum. Okay. Tatum was uh, always, she was there she was there for a good time. It's Rose McGowan, and I just love her. She uh, is just like a dark creature in general. Um, so I really like dig her vibe. She dated Marilyn Manson. Fucking, <laughs> come on. So she's like a weird bitch. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I know. She's not with him anymore because he's uh, abusive. Um, but he, uh, but she in that movie, she, I could really relate to her because she just wanted, she is like most children or teenagers in that time. She probably would thought that all of this was, everyone was overreacting and she just wanted to have a good time. She took an opportunity to have a party with her boyfriend and, you know, and I never thought that their relationship, that they were good together anyways in that movie. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think she's kind of ditzy. Like Stu was kind of. Yeah dopey and weird and goofy yeah i never saw tatum though like at the party when they all got to the party i never saw tatum ever flirting with anybody else but there are so many like little side scenes that you see Stu like with his head between two girls that's you know what i mean just men yeah i guess it is just men not all men teenage kid guys though no I mean... yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't have had my head between two girls it would have been two guys legs you know yeah <laughs> that's just how i was i was a blowy and goy kind of guy it's fine <laughs> we all have our strengths well basically we're gonna wrap this movie up pretty quick at the end of the movie there's a good amount of main cast members that die and some that almost die but at the end of it you find out uh after, and even if you watch the movie again it's very clear that these two people are the killers um lindsay will talk more about it after i release their names uh it's billy loomis and Stu, the guy throwing the party um now they if you look back at the other scenes like when they're sitting at, at the fountain and they're talking about how it's just so nonchalant how they're talking about how easy it is to gut someone and the breakdown of it you know and just the way billy looks at Stu, nobody said you did and it's like that's so obvious why did we not see that when we were watching this 
No, it's because there's so many strong, uh, they cast the movie so well that there's so many strong characters that you're looking at the entire time that those little things that you would have noticed, you're not paying attention to it because you're, it's in the middle of someone else's line that like these things are happening. It's like very quick in between stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think every character, even if they're hated, they're very likable in some way because they're very realistic characters, you know? Right. Right. Like and Gail you, Weathers. You didn't ask me my favorite character. No, I'm right. getting there. Uh, who is your favorite character from this first movie? Randy. Okay. I like yes. Randy it's because everyone's. he worked at the video store. I worked at a video store. So. Hollywood like, video. Yes. It was like we were bonded. He was yeah. the smartest. He knew all the scary movie rules. Yeah. And he didn't so, die. No, he did. He didn't. But he almost died. And uh, he, he trying to uh, get back into the house when Stu and Randy, yeah. uh, Sydney's at the door with the door open, trying to get into the house. And the two boys are asking them to, for her to believe them that they don't have anything to do with the killing. Cause both of them are pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. And she says, fuck you both. And she shuts the yeah. door on them. She shuts the door. And then uh, eventually Randy gets back in I, and he gets shot in like the little foyer Yes. Of the uh, little area by Billy Loomis. By Billy Loomis, right after Sydney lets him in, um, and uh, no, I think Billy lets him in because he's banging on the door, and Stu has already left. Yes. And so Billy lets him in, and this is the first time that you realize that Billy is the bad guy because he literally has blood on his hands and licks it off and says, "Oh, corn syrup, the same thing they use in horror movies." And you're like, "She just fucked him upstairs." Yeah, and now she's got to die. Lost, she lost her virginity to him. And even, that's the thing, is she had sex with him, and even as they're putting their clothes back on, she was like, who was your one call when you went to jail? She didn't trust him then. That's what I'm saying. Listen, but why, listen to your why would you open up? Why would you open up and have sex with someone, though, if you, even after you just had, got, you had sex for the first time, so those thoughts would be in your mind, and you're still getting ready, and you still are, are like, I don't, I I I'm going to mention him? this because I don't trust you. Yeah. Yeah. That's another little plot hole. Why would you have sex with him? Because she, maybe she felt like she owed it. Remember? Because she waited so long. That oh, sex yeah. And maybe, yeah. Maybe she was like on the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she was. And then right after that scene where she questions him, uh, that's when the killer as we know is Stu. Stu is the other killer. Okay. He comes into the room and she, she sees Stu behind him dressed in the scream outfit. And like, that's when you can see that she's still, she really has that connection with him and is starting to believe him. And so when he licks the corn syrup off and it's like, oh yeah, this is, that's, it really just fucks with her mind even more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause she was trusting him. She was opening up and trusting him after her mom had died a year before. And, you know, so it's hard to open up and find that love again. And she, you know, she's been searching for it because her mom just died. She's been, she's trying to fill that hole with something, you know? But Billy Loomis, even if he wasn't the killer, is such a fucking creep. Like, he, he is yeah. pressuring her to have sex or guilting her to have sex. Yeah. It, and then at the beginning, when he uh, crawls into her uh, window at the very beginning... And that's why he gets arrested is because he's like found at the scene pretty much like a couple scenes later or whatever. Mm -hmm. He first you get introduced to him when he climbs into her window and he says, oh, I was just watching The Exorcist and it got me thinking of us. What? what? <laughs> that got you hard? And 
Red flag. It's just red flag. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to the contractor on that house because Nev had a fail proof uh, thing of not getting her dad to come in the room. She, her closet door was right in front of it. She just opened it and you can open the door after that. So like, really, the contractor is trying to help the children out yeah. in this situation. Trying to save yeah. kids. I love that. That good old California contractor. Um, okay, so basically at the end of this movie, you find out who the killers are, okay? Um, now, this movie could have easily ended right after this because uh, you already found out who the killers are, but people loved it so much. It was such an instant cult classic because it was so different. Everyone that year after it was released for Halloween, so many ghost face masks everywhere. Yeah, people loved it. Everywhere. People loved that shit, okay? It was just like instantly like he was in the upper echelon with like leather face, Jason Voorhees. Freddy Krueger, he was, like, put in that category, you know? Yeah, and you know that caller ID, like, they sold, like, six times what they normally sell after that movie came out because everybody was getting caller ID phones. Because of that movie. Everyone's paranoid. Yeah. That's crazy. That movie, movies are supposed to make you feel some sort of emotion, but in the 90s, everything was unsure. Kids were going out and riding their bikes and hanging out with their kids, they like, friends, their friends would just come to their house and knock on the door and be like, can Nick come out and play? You couldn't just call them or text them. You know yep. what I mean? Like you can now. And so like our parents would always say like when the, the street lights come on, come home. Or if it was our mom, she would just give us a time beforehand before we left the fucking house. And she's like, listen. Or come you home. just didn't leave the house like me. I just stayed in and watched Dawson's Creek and Party of Five and ate my feelings. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe Drew Barrymore was like, Oh, well, like, yeah, I want to take the smaller role. But maybe with all of this success of Party of Five, Nev Campbell was already going to get that role and De- uh, Drew didn't want to, like, uh, do you know what I mean? No. No, because they looked at three other people before Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell got the role, I think it was, like, a week before. And they looked at yeah. Brittany Murphy, who is one of your favorites. Alicia Witt and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was right after... Reese had done um, Freeway, which was a really good movie. I've never you guys seen that. <laughs> Lindsay, it's okay. You probably haven't seen this, the fucked up movies I've seen. You didn't live with Brandon. <laughs> um, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so at the end of this movie, it could have ended. But then it was so popular, they did Scream 2. Now, Scream 2 is one of those movies that like, you could tell that they were trying to continue the plot. They were trying to go with the timeline of like in the first one, these people were all in high school. Now, what's the next natural progression? What do people do after high school, Lindsay, except for us? They go to college. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's exactly what they do. Um, literally out of the first four kids in our family, actually all of the five kids in our family have never like graduated from college. No, but I'm in college right now at 38. So thank you very much. No, but that's what I'm saying. That's I'm just wow. I got ex- I got accepted into St. Ambrose University for a theater scholarship, and I didn't go. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Now look at you. You're doing a podcast with your sister. So who's really? You winning? know what? I don't think. I think if things didn't work out the way they did, Lindsay, and we haven't had all these moments we had in our lives, our relationship wouldn't be as close. So suck it. Okay, uh, but I just think that's the case. But Scream 2 starts in a movie theater, okay? Now, um, Jada Pinkett Smith is on a date with her boyfriend and they are arguing at the beginning of the movie whether they should go see Stab 
uh, a movie about the Woodsboro murders, okay? Um, which is super cool. Um, or go see a Sandra Bullock movie. Um, and Jada really wants to go see Sandra Bullock. And the boyfriend does not. Ain't nobody want to see some Sandra Bullock shit? Bitch, Hope Float? <laughs> Practical Magic? Those are great. Practical Magic Those is are great. Practical Magic is one of my favorite movies to watch, period. I don't love Practical Magic as much as I love Hope Floats. No, Hope Floats. The little girl with the glasses bothered me. Uh, any, just, you feel such a competition with anyone, with, with any young child with talent. Remember Kenny Rogers? Oh, it, that should have been me. That should have been me. Yeah. You were trying to sing as loud yeah. as that girl in the Kenny Rogers contest or concert? No, oh yeah, that, but Lindsay, there's a backstory to that. We'll get to that in another time because that is something we need to talk about too. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about it when we talk about Christmas movies. Okay. Just there's okay. got to be one we love. But Scream Two, um, this uh, Jada Pinkett Smith didn't want to go to this movie in the first place. She asks her boyfriend at when they're in the theater. Everyone's wearing scream masks. There's fucking. What? I've never seen something as chaotic as that movie theater. Like that does not happen. They they. They had zip lines set up that like fucking ghosts were flying back and forth on. Even for like Marvel movies and Star Wars, they're not doing shit like that. So I don't know what no, yeah, kind they're of not watching this was. No, yeah, they're not watching this movie on a theater like stage. And it, they had like zip lines and stuff. Like it was props and everything. It was that's not how any movie theater works. We've researched it. We try to find it our whole lives. It doesn't exist. Nope. Okay. It does not exist. The limit doesn't exist. <laughs> But in this, mo- in this movie, uh, Jada Pinkett's boyfriend, after she asks um, him to give her money, um, and he's like, you have your own money. And she's like, yeah, I want your money. And then she goes and takes it. That's a proud yeah. woman moment. I'm proud of her. Women have been under the, like, the surface for years, and they need to take back the time that they didn't have. They couldn't even vote for a long-ass time. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I mean, I think you're over-exaggerating her part in that. Okay. Okay, anyways, um, no, but she, her boyfriend goes to the bathroom after uh, he scares her in the hallway, um, and he comes out of a door that says employees only. How the fuck did you get in there, sir? <laughs> you don't work here. They, they, they no employee saw the you. The whole fucking thing is weird. Right. The whole, that whole thing is bizarre to me, the way he got killed anyway, because... He hears someone, like, it sounds like someone's having sex and or crying in the stall next to him. And he leans his ear up against that stall. And this killer has perfect, Precision. like, one stab. Yeah. Like, were you looking over it, sir? Like, how did you know his face? That's was what right I'm there? saying. Stabs him in the side of the face. So that would be so awkward. The guy's looking over and then he's like, okay. It, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then the killer uh, takes his leather jacket, puts it on, and poses as her boyfriend and sits in the, the theater uh, and comes back and she thinks it's her boyfriend, okay? Now, at this point in the movie that they're watching, Stab, um, Heather Graham, I love Heather yeah. Graham, um, she, she gets, she's playing the Casey character and she gets killed and right after she gets killed, she, they, uh, her boyfriend looks at her and she lifts her hand up from his jacket and realizes she has blood on her hand. And then she realizes that this motherfucker is not the person she thought it was. He stabs her and then everyone in the movie theater thinks that it's just an acting exercise. Ears. Yeah. And there's, first of all, there's a stage on the theater, on like the fucking movie set. You like know what I mean? fucking She's Rocky Horror Picture Show type situation. Yeah. Like they're, yes. Like they're acting it out in front of everyone. And it's, it's so clear 
that it looks, she has blood streaming from her mouth and she is literally standing in front of a gr group of people who she wants to help her. That has to be so helpless. I put myself in that scenario and I'm like, she literally is crying for her life and all these people are like, keep going, <laughs> this is great, I love this. So sad. And then when she collapses to the ground, she has so much blood on her face that she looks like um, the swamp thing. She looks like the swamp thing. She, her face looks like she's, Yikes. I don't know. It's just weird. Yikes. Yeah, bikes. Okay, now you cut to a college where Sydney is in a dorm room and she's standing in front of her closet that is open and you see a sweater that is green and red striped, which goes, harks back to Freddy Krueger. Um, I love those little bits. That makes me really happy. You just love Freddy. No, even in the first one, when he comes out and those people are trying to get him in his office and he keep knocking on his door, he goes out and he sees the janitor and he's like, fucking bastards. And, and he doesn't see anyone out there. And then the janitor just like, excuse me? And he's like, not you. Do you know Fred. who that janitor and was? Fred's where? West. No. Yeah. Really? I had no idea. He has like a, he must have had wig on because his hair is so long. Oh my God. That's so good. I never knew that. Lindsay, see, I'm telling you. Oh my God. Look <laughs> at us. Okay. So after this killing happens, it cuts to the scene where she's, uh, Sydney's in her uh, dorm room. She gets a call um, from someone who's pretending to be Ghostface on the phone. Now, at this point, they have caller ID. And we knew that from the first movie that people were all about caller ID. Okay. The sales went up. So in this movie, she's like, um who is this and then he just like lies to her and says something in Ghostface voice and she's like uh she tells him exactly who he is and what number is calling and he, it's, the voice switches and he's like god damn you know like he's mad that it didn't work um and this is where you see Sydney's uh life kind of getting on track you realize that she's dealing with the aftermath of people realizing she was a part of this huge horrible massacre and people are capitalizing on that by calling her and it's like the big thing you know so people are bothering her yeah it's scary it's honestly scary if you think about it to never be able to trust like who's calling just don't have a phone yeah imagine if you're if someone calls you and it's a creditor and they're like hey you owe us money what's your favorite <laughs> scary movie you know that'd be It'd be terrifying. Be. I'm never answering any uns any unsolicited calls again. Never. Um, but yeah, she's at college. And then the press shows up at her college. And guess who's there? The most hateable fucking anchor woman ever. Okay? Uh, I Gail don't Weathers. think she's hateable. She's hateable. Everyone hates her because she's so arrogant and so, like, uh, she tries to capitalize on everything like, yeah, it's all about her career. Every every movie. Yeah. But I think she's likable she's, towards the end of every movie. She is. Yeah, she even in the first one, she had moments where she was walking she with uh, Dewey. One of those yeah. killers. Yeah, she prevented. Yeah, she prevented the movie from ending a different yeah. way, and so she's a very strong character in the movie. But you have that love hate relationship with her because you know that she's ultimately just out yeah. for herself, and you know what I mean. Is it she did she helped kill that person because it was convenient for her because she wouldn't have died. You know what I mean? She was right there in yeah. the scene. So it's just interesting. She shows up and then there's this press conference and this is when uh, Nev Campbell finds out that there's been another killing that has that happened at the a movie premiere of the movie that was made about her life. And she's like, this, it's not over, you know? Yeah. And, and so Randy's there. What? 
Randy is there. And Randy went to college with her. Um, who else survived from the first movie? Those were the only two. The, those are the only two students. That were students. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, and that would be, that's very like realistic to people that have gone through a trauma, probably wanting to go to the same school. So, cause to lean on each other for support. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? he was in love with her. No, I know. So yeah, he was following her for other reasons. And I'm sure she, like they, their relationship has always been strong, but I, I think that they used that. It'd be believable for them to go to the same school yes. as support. You know what I mean? Cause I can't, that's how our relationship so strong is like going through the things that we've gone through. And that's why we develop such a strong relationship is because we can relate on things that could be traumatizing, but they helped us rebuild our lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? They helped us not turn into monsters monsters i was gonna say he or she who shall not be named like voldemort uh, you know <laughs> no but okay so in this movie she has a new cast of friends because guess what when your friends die just you get new, new ones. ones so yeah she did she replaced tatum with a beautiful black actress who uh is honestly probably one of my favorite characters in every single one of the scream fran like franchise movies hallie i think her name is Hallie, it is. And she's very, um, Hallie's relationship with Sydney is she is her roommate. So when uh, Sydney saw the the news come up in, that was talking about the death at her, the movie premiere, her uh, roommate came into the room and her roommate is always trying to get her to join this sorority, okay? Now, I think it's for uh, selfish reasons because Hallie, I think, wants to get in that sorority and that sorority really wants Sydney. And so she, I think she thinks, oh, if I get her into it they're going to select me well. that's so weird why do they want sydney because she almost died <laughs> i don't understand no because well because she was like a um she's a well-known person uh from like something traumatizing that's happened she's like a celebrity right. to them so i think they want her in it for clout really um but this sorority if you watch any of the movie this sorority uh it practices safe sex um, they, uh, she, they mentioned that as a, like a bargaining tool with Neb when she comes to their party with Hallie that she didn't want to go to. Um, and they're like, most people think we're sluts, but like we promote safe sex. And then the other girl says, but is her Monica style? Okay. And then the other girl is like, yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I have to look up what her Monica style means. Cause that is so foreign. What is it? I have no idea. You're gay. I don't eat vagina, okay? And the harmonica style is, oh, about is it? vaginas, I'm pretty sure. Yes, a harmonica playing a vagina like a harmonica? I'm pretty sure. Please don't monetize us for this. I'm sorry. But yeah, Lindsay, yeah, Lindsay, you can, yeah, it's, it's weird. But in this movie, uh, the killer, uh, uh, when she, Sydney's at the party um, for the sorority that she doesn't want to be a part of, um, Sarah Michelle Giller, who is also well-known, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but most importantly in the genre of Scream, she was in its rival movie. Um, I know what you did last summer. Yes. I, I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. I love her. I think that she's great. Um, I think I think it was too, it was a poor casting choice in my opinion because Sarah Michelle Gellar had already died and I know what you did last summer and they're putting her as a character in this movie and they were too closely released that it didn't, it wasn't believable that Sarah Michelle Gillard was really going to this college. 
Well, they're movies. <laughs> so, I mean. I know, Lindsay, but. I don't know. I'm just saying. They could have picked somebody else, I saying. guess. But Sarah Michelle Gellar was a big name, too. So, if they could get her in there. She was great. As just yeah. a small killing, like kind of uh, like Drew Barrymore was a very small part. Yes. Then, No, it was. I think that's probably, now that you mentioned that, that's probably exactly what they were doing, was trying to add a heightened name to a scene that didn't require them to be there for a long period of time. Uh, so they could record it pretty fast and not have to invest a lot of money into right. that actress. Because it's a cameo, yeah. you know? Um, but in this movie, um, she g- gets a call from someone who she thinks is her boyfriend, and it's not her boyfriend. It's actually Ghostface, okay? Um, and she hears all these noises upstairs, and um, she still decides to lock the doors from inside. Because <laughs> um, you didn't hear someone in your house. I wouldn't lock the fucking doors. You know what I mean? I would be like, have a do- all the doors open so I could leave if I ever saw anyone in the house, you know? Yeah, I don't remember what made her lock the doors. Did he say something that kind of... He said the other girl was leaving the house and had answered the phone after the, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar had already had an interaction with Ghostface. And she, the other girl answers the phone and is like, oh, I just forgot my code. And then the phone rings. She answers it. And yeah. she, she's like, oh, it's the guy says it's her boyfriend. So she gives her the phone. And then when she gets back, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar gets back on the phone. He repeats what the girl who just left said. Okay, yeah. I got it. But that could easily be explained by her not covering the speaker yes. on the phone. He could have heard her saying that. Right, you know and I mean? I'm sure that's what it was. So I'm not sure why yeah. she locked the doors. No, I'm not either. I think it's, in those scenarios, you don't know how you're going to react until you get put in traumatic situations. Because everything is so weird and strange and different that you aren't ever used to it. So you could probably make decisions you wouldn't have made yeah. before. Just because I listen to a lot of murder podcasts, so I'm thinking that's why. Well, anyways, Sarah Michelle Gillar has another great chase scene. Uh, she added, and I know what you did last summer. It was probably the longest getaway scene from a killer that has ever been in any movie theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It took a long time for him to get her. She went through like four different sets. Yeah. You know, that they had to pay for. She went and she got away for a really long time. So you're really wanting her to get away. But in this movie, she is chased up the stairs because she runs to the attic to try to get away from him, which and then the funny thing is, is when he's right behind her and she's she runs to the patio where he eventually throws her off of. How are you planning to get down from there, sweetheart? If you made it to that door, what were you going to do? Did you give us? A rope attached that you were just gonna like climb down like you're fucking rock climbing. They just it's... don't think. They just don't think. They just don't think. It's okay. Back then, movies have gotten better since then because they've filled those people are more picky now. We talk about our plot holes more. True that. True that. Now this murder happens and all the cops start rushing towards it and Sydney's still at the other party. So all of these people go and look at what the cops are looking at and they take their drinks outside and it's just like kids walking the street like it's New Orleans just trying to see a death. And they're so excited about it. They're like, the cops are at uh, Del- or Mega Bay de Zeta. Yeah. And every- they're like, come on. And everyone goes out and sees it like it's a fucking event that they want to see. It leaves Sydney alone in that house with her boyfriend who everyone knows at the beginning of this movie that she was having a hard time trusting him anyways because of her trust issues in the past right yes as she should and that's where we're cutting it off i know you're sad now that the episode is wrapped up this is just the part one 
I want to let you guys know that my train of thought tends to be a little jumbled. <laughs> um, that's just who I am. Um, so as I'm explaining stuff, you will notice that I go off on a tangent and explain other events that happened earlier and I don't necessarily cut it off and tell you it was from earlier. It kind of sounds like it is confusing as a movie, but I'm just confusing as a person. So if you want to tune in more, guess what? There's a part two. Tune in to Chaotic Cinema. Thanks for the memories and or nightmares. And me and Lindsay will be back to share a little more about this movie we love so much. Kisses. <laughs>